The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Judice. The best way to get a hold of renowned lawyers, Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice, is to reach out to him, give him a call, especially if you're in a situation where you need legal advice, where you need legal expertise. And I want to introduce you to the two men that can help you out. Bruce Hagen, how do folks get you? Easy to find me. It's Bruce Hagen, H-A-G-E-N, Hagen-Law.com is the website. You can call me on my cell phone anytime, 404-202-2233, at Peeps Lawyer on Twitter and other social media, because I'm the people's lawyer. So That's right. Easy enough to find, and I'm happy to help you with whatever your personal injury needs may be, or direct you to a great attorney if you have a need in some other area of the law. Yeah, absolutely. If you need uh, defense, Ray yeah, Judice. Just as Bruce go. said this morning, a gentleman called me. He had a client. He's a lawyer, but he had a client who had a business dispute up in Athens. I happen to know a buddy of mine that went to law school with me, and that's what he and his firm did. So lots of times I'm referring someone to a lawyer that I know and trust and help somebody cut through the morass of billboard ads and TV ads and all that kind of stuff that really doesn't necessarily get you to the best service provider, meaning a great lawyer. Bruce, you don't have billboards. No, but if you think the best lawyer is the guy standing on top of a truck doing cartwheels and you know telling you how <laughs> you, great he is. Are you criticizing then, then, artificial intelligence again? I notice that's a, you that know, bothers If you want artificial intelligence as your lawyer, then sure, go ahead and, and you know go with that. Uh, or if you think the guy who spends the most money on advertising. I mean, we right. just spoke to the guys who do the marketing show on this station, and they would tell you that whoever can pay us the most must be the best lawyer. <laughs> that's um, right. But you know, if you're looking for quality, then you find quality. That's and you can exactly find right. it at 404 964 4185. That's my cell phone, now located in Roswell after 30 years in the Buckhead area, but handling cases throughout the state of Georgia. I'm going to, I was in Cobb County this morning. As soon as the show ends, I'm getting in my pony and riding up to uh, Cherokee County on a case. I was in Fulton yesterday morning. So still putting on a suit and tie after 38 years and representing citizens accused of crimes. Yeah. Well, there is a, uh, an emotional trial that's been happening down in Irwin County. A man named Ryan Duke has been sentenced to 10 years, which was the maximum sentence, and he's already had five served. A jury found him not guilty of malice murder, felony murder, and aggravated assault and burglary connected with the death of teacher Tara Grinstead. They found him guilty of one charge, and that's concealing the death. This story is, uh, and it's been going on for years and years and years, and it's got so many loops and, and changes of direction, it's hard to keep up with it all. Are you surprised how it turned out? Is this what you expected? Because when I hear somebody's concealed uh, someone's death, that seems really, really serious. And then to be able to say, okay, I've already served half my time. I only have five more years. I don't know. Is, is that common? And do I look? Am I looking at it the wrong way? Well, this is a case where you had two co-defendants, Mr. Duke and Mr. Dukes. Which don't get them confused because right, it's easy. And two different people. One thing that's very important in how this case turned out is that uh, Miss Grinstead disappeared back in October of 2005, and her body has never been found. And many lay people say, well, how can you prosecute a homicide, a death? Maybe that person left the country and is living happily ever after in you know, this, this southern shore of Australia in a fishing yeah. boat, right? right? 
And the problem when you don't have a body is you don't have this, maybe either the crime scene or the final resting of that body, which in today's world of science and DNA and all kinds of testing and pinging of cell phones can really lead to a lot of evidence. So the prosecution had a tough case here. They also had a situation where Mr. Dukes pled guilty, that's with the S, several years back and got a 25-year sentence for concealing a body, Mm -hmm. not homicide, Mm -hmm. concealing. That's a really big sentence for the concealing of a homicide, okay? And he has always proclaimed his innocence, that's Dukes, as well as Duke, while Dukes is in prison. Duke was also in prison for the last five years without a bond, waiting for trial on charges that he was mostly acquitted of. Yeah, and uh, the one key point that the prosecution did have in their favor is that Duke confessed to this murder, right? And so... It, it brings up this whole issue of like, how is it that this guy confessed to a murder, but he's pleading not guilty to causing the murder and in fact was acquitted of, of causing the murder? You know, how does that happen in the face of a confession? Well, we've seen many, many instances over the years where uh, investigators are able to obtain confessions, um, whether they're coerced, whether it comes after grueling interrogation. In this case, they said that the confession came within 30 seconds of Duke showing up uh, to, to the uh, investigator's office wow. to give a recording. He just immediately sat down and confessed. Um, but the confession obviously wasn't persuasive to the jury here, and there were plenty of reasons why uh, it was invalid. I remember my dad. My dad was a criminal lawyer in the Bronx. Uh, he used to tell me confessions are meaningless. We never let those stand in our way as a defense lawyer. I was like, what are you talking about? Right. And he said, well, when the Boston Strangler was committing all these murders uh, and, and you know high-profile case at the time, said over 100 people came forward and confessed to being the Boston <laughs> Strangler. I don't think many people would know that. And, and he says they, they wanted the notoriety of being this this infamous That's pretty sick. murderer criminal. Yeah. Uh, even if it meant death penalty for them, they'd go down with some history to their name as opposed to being the anonymous schlub that they spent the rest yeah. of their life doing. So. Um, you know, my dad was a little out there, but this is a case that proves he's right. The, the confession didn't really uh, mean that he did it. Bruce, I would say that that's, it's the rare instance that a confession doesn't hold up or is not a significant piece of evidence towards a conviction. And, and I, I appreciate your dad because I'm, <laughs> I'm in those, I wear those shoes a lot. And, you know, just be, and there's a great billboard for a lawyer out west and it says, just because you did it doesn't mean you're guilty, okay? <laughs> right. and, and those of us in our world... We have to take that approach, at least initially, of, you know, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. But uh, some very artful, and I'm using that in the highest complimentary terms, criminal defense work here, that took, not took advantage, made the state prove its case beyond a reasonable doubt, and 12 jurors found not guilty. I mean, that's what happened. Now, he was found guilty of concealing the body. There was a maximum sentence in that of 10 years, or he was sentenced to 10 years. He's been in prison for five years, and he will probably be released, time served, very shortly. By There'll be some, a few months of processing, perhaps, but he'll be released. Uh, but great lawyering on the defense side. Let's say Ashley Merchant, who's a fantastic lawyer, well-known in Metro Atlanta, uh, was retained in this case. And she and her team, and, and I know some fabulous investigators that she works with, did a great job. Uh, perhaps this was a case that the state said, look, you know what? We may not have everything we need, but we've got this confession and, you know, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. That's what trials are about sure. sometimes. You know, the, the really, really super hard cases where there's lots of evidence on one side or another, both in my world and Bruce's world, 
You know what happens in those cases? They get settled, right? I'll, I'll give you an example right now. I've got a case uh, where it was a crash from four years ago, uh, and my client may or may not have uh, needed surgery because of this particular crash. He has a, what we call a surgical estimate, right? A doctor said, you need surgery. Here's how much it's going to cost, $90,000 to have the surgery you need. Um, but it's been four years and she hasn't had the surgery. And I just spoke to the lawyer in this case. Yeah, she says, yeah, we're not even taking that into consideration. We're willing to consider the bills for what's, what's been incurred, but we're not considering that four years later. And I said, well, the good news is I don't need you to consider it. I just need a jury to consider it. And, <laughs> and this is why we have trials. Right. And, and, you know, Ray's right. If this were rock solid. Um, if your client had had the surgery two and, years ago. Or, and if she right. hadn't had two subsequent crashes, <laughs> you know, in between, that got in the way right, here right, right, to, right. To, to sort of interfere with that unbroken chain of proximate causation that we would like and to have. And bungee right? jumping classes she took <laughs> in Australia off the bridge, right? If yeah. it were one of those cases, <laughs> stupid we, social media, <laughs> we wouldn't have to. But I also know, okay, I, I can. No, that's right. I can go to court on this and we can take our shot and I don't have to convince this lawyer. I just have to convince 12 people that it's more likely than not that this injury was caused by the crash, that she needs the surgery because of this crash. You know, I ask insurance companies all the time, it's like, so, all right, so my client doesn't have health insurance. Did you offer to pay for her surgery? You know, when, mm -hmm. when you criticize her for not having the surgery and she says, well, I couldn't afford it and I didn't have insurance. Is that really what you want to hear her say in court? You mm -hmm. know, so anyway, getting back to the confession thing, you know, one of one of the most famous cases uh, of that was um, the Central Park six. Right. Or, is it, or was it the seven? Uh, but the Central Park, uh, supposedly the gang that mm -hmm. were involved in this awful sexual assault of a jogger in the park. And police interrogated the heck out of these young kids. Central and Park Five. Central Park Five. I'm and the sorry. victim had absolutely. No, and the victim had no memory. Yeah, she could not identify anybody or very vague descriptions. By the way, this is what happens when we don't do research and just talk off yeah. the top. Well, no, it, it, uh, I just I just did a Central quick Google Park Five. That's yeah. Chicago Seven. <laughs> it was exactly. <laughs> it, it was it was a case where there was you know just a coerced confession from multiple of these kids um, who, after a period of time, were just broken down and confessed to something that they didn't do, and it was later shown that they didn't do it. Um, but that was after being completely vilified by the New York press and and you know, wealthy white New Yorkers who uh, later became presidents, who, one of whom <laughs> took out a full page ad That's in the correct. newspaper, you know, calling for the death penalty for the Central Park Five. And we later elected him as president and may do so again in two years. Um, you know, it's it's confessions in and of themselves. I'm, I'm sure every criminal defense lawyer would tell you, I wish there were not a confession in this case. Keep your mouth shut. We have a much better chance of, of winning this case. Yeah. But but the confession alone, as, as this case showed, is not uh, the be-all, end-all. I like to put it this way. You know, there's a TV show on one of the crime stations. It's called 48 Hours. And it shows, of course, the investigation. And then you've got the guy, the suspect, in the little closed room with the video camera and the good cop and the bad cop and the obligatory cup of water. And I always say, you know, if you don't talk in the for first 48 hours, there's a good chance you won't do 48 years. Okay. So shut, you know, Smart. just be quiet. Let your lawyer, get your, get your family to get a lawyer. So you can sit in a, in, in a can for a couple of days until I get there. It'll be all right. Goodness gracious. I mean, that, that is advice that you need to take to heart.
<laughs> don't say anything for 48 so you don't serve 48. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Like, I, I need that tattooed on my arm somewhere. <laughs> when we come back here on Extra 106.3 in your day in court, we're going to talk about the unfortunate school shooting that took place in Texas that has uh, rocked the world rocked anybody that is a uh, is the parent you know what could have been done what wasn't done what uh, should be done we'll discuss all those things with bruce hagan and ray judice next on extra 106.3 the winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners so start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only ten dollars each these bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. As we continue on your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice, my name is Doug Coward on Extra 1063. A, uh, a delicate story that uh, that broke about midweek this week. 21 people dead, 19 students, and a couple teachers in Uvalde, Texas. You know, there, there's so many avenues of discussion for this story, and one of the ones that keeps coming up, and I, I would like to pose it to to the both of you because you're experts in the field that you work. And that is, if this guy's on social media, if this guy's on you know, TikTok, if this guy's been flagged like the guy that did the shooting in Buffalo, New York, he'd been interviewed by the FBI. What are we missing? How are we not getting these people? Yeah, it's a tricky issue, and certainly every situation is different, right? Like th- this shooter here in Uvalde, Texas, this week, seems like a really messed up kid, certainly, as you hear the interviews about him. He posted some things on social media, but is the government supposed to jump in because somebody posts a picture of a gun on a bed, mm-hmm. right? right. Are they supposed to jump in there and say, yeah, there's a potential crime about to be committed here, we have to jump in, because somebody has cut themselves and hurt themselves and shown their friends and even made threats to people at school, like, I'm gonna kill you at school, right, as a teenager. Is that qualitatively different than somebody who is on websites that are sort of what we'd call the dark web websites and that are for folks you know, showing, hey, here's my detailed plan of how I'm going to go to a Target store in this all black community in Buffalo, mm-hmm. New York and kill black people. And here's my 500 page manifesto. Is that 
obviously it seems to be that's a way more of a situation for an alarm or somebody who has been suspected and interviewed by the feds before. Not every interview justifies we're going, to, we're going to arrest this person. Mm-hmm. We're going to take away all you know their their ability to harm others. If anybody's seen the movie Minority Report, the Tom Cruise movie from 10 or 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was, you know, this whole idea that there are thought police out there. And, My and, ex-wife had that. Yeah, well, she, on you. She could look at she, me and she say. She knew that you were thinking about doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And by the way, she was right. Um, <laughs> Most but, often. But, you know, it, it was science fiction, this idea that, you know, we're going to see what your thoughts are. And when you're thinking of committing a crime, we're going to arrest you before sure. you can do it and, you know, charge you and convict you for having thought of the crime. Um, you, you know, in the aftermath of something like this, we always look at, you know, why wasn't this prevented? Why wasn't this stopped? Um, but the reality is that, you know, we just live in a society where we, we value freedom. Um, that freedom includes, at this point, the unfettered freedom to own all manner of weapons and all manner of protective devices like body armor uh, at an age where you're not even old enough to buy beer. But you can go out and buy assault rifle. You can go out and buy body armor. Um, night and, goggles. You and know, the everything. Whole thing, right. Night vision goggles. And, and um, there's no corralling it at this point. So what's really interesting is that, uh, and I, I want to talk about maybe a, a couple shows ago when we talked about the RICO gang case here in Georgia, okay? Mm-hmm. So going back to Bruce's point, until this young man in Texas stepped into that school without permission, so that's a criminal trespass, okay, Mm -hmm. and then barricaded the door, which would be probably an abduction or a kidnapping or something like that, and fired the weapon. Everything he did was legal under Mm -hmm. under United States Constitution. Mm -hmm. He legally purchased this weapon. He was in legal ownership of it. Uh, Everything he wrote is protected speech. I could go home and this weekend knock out a 500-page you know, novel about how I plan to take over the United States of America by, uh, you know, assassinating the powers that be and blowing stuff up and put it on eBay and try to sell it. That's protected free speech. Now, if I start to round up people and make plans, okay, so what's my segue to the gang cases? Well, some of these gang members under the RICO statute are basically charged with, you know, organizing, thinking out loud, making rap videos about robberies and holdups and cash and drugs. Well, is that a substantial step towards a crime? So I think it's interesting where under the RICO statute, we're kind of using legal behavior in many ways. So I, I forgot the name of the rapper that's been accused. Uh, young here. Thug. Okay. Well, I mean, if How he, dare you. If, if, yeah. <laughs> sorry. If every song he ever made was about murder and mayhem and drugs and, and insurrection, it would be legal until he took further steps to make those things happen right and if he said i encourage everyone in my listening to my albums go get a gun be armed learn how to use it get body armor because the day is coming he's still entitled to do that so just to go back to the case at bar you know almost consistently in these cases uh it's legal behavior and so law enforcement is stuck with okay he comes up on a watch list or some family member says hey he's acting unusual or he makes a threat to somebody at school but if there's no crime they just can't say, well, you know what, son, we're going we're gonna to take you here with us. We've got an Air Force base that nobody knows about in Poland. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to keep you right. there, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. until we, in, or, or down in uh, Guantanamo. Guantanamo. Yeah. We'll keep you here for 30 or 40 years until we think you're reformed. It doesn't work that way. Mm. Well, and that's, you know, it's funny, but when 
after 9-11, then the Patriot Act was, um, you know, quickly rushed through the Congress. Sort of like, you know, yeah, you're, you're also authorizing now the government to declare somebody an enemy combatant, whatever that might be, and then suddenly there goes whatever and there not be a definition that person right? has. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a different situation, obviously, but the, the, the premise is we're going to be holding this person because of their ideas, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and that's a tough one. This is also why on a separate issue, prosecuting hate crimes is a difficult thing because it's somebody's idea as opposed to, you know, like, for example, the, the Buffalo shooter, probably if, if there's a hate crime statute in New York, there's certainly federal hate crime statutes. It won't be hard to prosecute him if his manifesto, which I admittedly have not read, basically spells out a hatred of black people. And he went and shot and killed black people. Easy enough to connect the two things. Um, If it's something like the person who committed the murders of Asian women in Atlanta a couple years ago that were working at spas um, and saying that, okay, this is a hate crime committed against Asians. and his confession is essentially, I have a problem with sex workers, and sex workers are not a protected class from a hate crime situation. Mm-hmm. That makes it a very difficult case to prosecute as a hate crime against Asians, right? So it's, it's any time the crime involves this sort of mental state, it's, it's a much more challenging thing to have to pursue. Here, when you're asking uh, our investigators, you know, you need to intervene in this so that doesn't happen, um, it's, a, it's a nearly impossible task. It's, it's not unlike just looking at the fog of information, right? The fog of war information that comes across the desk of of our national defense organizations on a daily basis from potential terrorist groups, potential cells. We can't even scratch the surface of imagining how much information they're looking at to then cipher out that, okay, here's this real credible threat to fly a plane into uh, the Pentagon and the World Trade Center Um, and, and, and separate that out from all the other stuff that's out there, probably a lot of it even intentionally to create um, so much chaos where you can't decipher what's real and what's not. You know, the thing that I find unusual in almost every one of these cases uh, tends to be there's so much of a profile that's developed, you know, admittedly a white kid, 17 to 23, uh, kind of a regular nondescript family, you know, mom works, dad works, maybe they're separated, but there's almost never any serious criminal history. Uh, everybody says, yeah, it was kind of a loner. It seems in the last few months he sort of dropped off. And what I'm, what we always seem to find all that out, uh, after the fact. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm wondering, you know, again, I'm an old guy. I'll be 64 in July. Uh, we didn't get to go too far in our daily existence, whether at PS 32 or St. Eugene's and Bruce, you went to school, not too far down the street from me. There were a lot of eyes on us. Teachers, gym teachers, you know, our coach, you know, would, if we were doing really acting out of line, would grab us, either do something positive, like, hey, come on, kid, pick yeah, it up, or, or what's going on. I mean, where is, where's the, who's dropping the ball? Now, again, I'm not absolving no, the of shooter course, of, of blame course. here. No, I get that. But these are young people, and Bruce, as you know, the science is that an 18, 19 year old young man, his brain is not formed. Mm-mm. And I don't mean that to make excuses. That is the science. Their right. brains are not formed. Young women of that age are much more formed and mature in all their cognitive skills. And, you know, I'm not looking for the nanny state here. We don't need the nanny state. There should be enough people that had eyes and hands on this kid, I mean, literally and figuratively, to to maybe sound some warning bells or get him some help. And one of them may have been the first victim because he shot and killed his grandmother uh, on his way to the school. So who knows? Maybe somebody was. But the other story I've heard about the shooter is that— 
he just didn't go to school. You know, yeah. he 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 kind of showed up occasionally. Yeah. So if that's not a red red flag, somebody should be intervening right. in life. But you know, it's 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 unfortunate because that is, I think, a criticism that oftentimes comes down on minority kids more so than on white kids. Of you know, where are the parents in in this? Yeah. Um, we've seen it, and and there was the recent case where the parents were also charged. Yeah, uh, and and in Michigan, to, you just. But I'm so sorry, and it's such a sad reflection on the times that I can't separate one mass shooting from yeah, another. Yeah, right. You know, and and this year has been awful, and and last year was awful, and it's it just goes on and on, and, and I can't I can't distinguish which horrible yeah, horrifying blend. incident. And there ones that fly under the news radar in California, allegedly a Chinese nationalist who's been in this country for many years went to a Taiwanese church. Yeah, and killed the pastor. But for the the pastor saved yeah, a lot of people, right. but it was his intent to kill everybody there. Now that one's not being reported. Is it a hate crime? Yeah, he hates Taiwanese people. Yeah. There's no question about it. But do we have you know is CBS News out there? Is NBC out there? No, of course not. It was a one day quick story, and those folks who are U.S. citizens of Ta- Taiwanese descent deserve as much protection, and that community deserves it as well, just as any community does. Yep. Very true. And, and, you know, so where does it go, right? I mean, there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of frustration and, and venting. Um, and every time we read and hear about something like this, you, you know, we sort of think something has to change and it seemingly nothing changes. You know, there have been some getting back to the premise of our show, since we're not purely a political show or yeah, yeah, sure. uh, your day in court, you know, there has been some legal action um, victims of the Sandy Hook uh, mass shooting years ago sued Remington for manufacturing and making weapons available that ended up being the weapons of choice of this particular shooter and ended up reaching a settlement in the high eight figures, like $75 million settlement with Remington to you know ideally deter that sort of behavior in the future. Maybe, um, you know, as you hear more and more politicians line up, maybe you'll get to some level of background checks, um, some restrictions on what exactly it is that you can and can't purchase freely, the age at which you can purchase um, weapons and um, ammunition. You know, the Second Amendment is sacred in some eyes, um, but every single aspect of our Constitution is adaptable to the times in which we live. You know, and so this idea that Second Amendment is untouchable is archaic. It's 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 just outdated, and it's it's used and manipulated um, by one side. You know, I saw Ted Cruz on the news immediately in the aftermath of this shooting, um, not talking about the victims, talking about how it's such a shame that Democrats will use this mass shooting as an opportunity to try to take away our guns. You know, it's really not the time. Yeah, it was that that went both ways. The, it was politicized immediately yeah. on both but, sides. But you know for what? Sure. Uh, when when if not now when. You know, if, if you're not going to talk about we need to do something as opposed to sitting back and just passively accepting that this is the world we live in where our kids are sitting ducks in schools um, and you're going to look, maybe you think that the answer is we should train and arm our teachers and have a militia in every school. Um, at least you're doing something, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as opposed to just shaking your head and extending thoughts and prayers again. And we sit back and do nothing as a nation. And, and you know. Look, I'm like everybody else. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm sure. sad. And and I watch so. the news, and it's it's just horribly tragic. Um, and 
again, being just like just about everybody else, tomorrow I'm going to wake up and this is not going to be the first thing I think of. And the day after that, it's not even going to be the second thing I think of and I'm going to go on with my life. And, you know, with 18 deaths, think about how many people that affects, right? Each one single person there comes from a family. It's a little kids too, man. Little kids, I, mean, right? I got to be yeah. honest with you. I'm not yeah. just, no one of these is better or worse than the other, mm. but on this one, when, when it first came across the news line yesterday afternoon, I was watching uh, Bloomberg or something, and it said it said elementary school. I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, kids, second, third, babies, and fourth graders. Yeah, and, and just a quick aside, Bruce, I hate to cut you off, but if you're angry, and this young man obviously was angry, what the heck did a, a, a fourth grader ever do to you, man? Yeah. I mean, what, what yeah. is that? Maybe, maybe somebody of your own age bracket you got a grudge they've bullied you i don't know they took your girlfriend and your lunch money i'm not justifying that either no of course but these are little kids man yeah (laughs) what kind of a some some of the background yeah Yeah. some of the background is that he was in abject poverty and that he was bullied at school and and wouldn't like bruce pointed out wouldn't be at school most times right and and again that doesn't excuse any of it but but that that is part of that's part of the story yeah. It, there are people of a mindset that um, they want to know what is the most horrible thing I can do on my way to dying so that I will be remembered for this. Um, I, this was this, this kid knew he was going to die. He, he didn't plan on surviving this. Um, at that's least right. that's what it that's seems right. like. Yeah, that's and, right. And, yeah, and, you're and exactly so right. Like, yeah, suicide by cop. That's what but, they call it. you know, yeah. kill yourself first. Yeah, right not? And, 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 you know, it's like when you hear these murder-suicides, it's like, well, you know, people, someone kills their family, then kills themselves. It's like, next time, yeah. kill yourself first. Yeah, yeah, change the order. <laughs> change the order. But we, we say that in jest, but it's so true. I think everybody's had that same thought over and over and over again. You'd like to think that there are people who have had an opportunity to um, touch somebody in their life, that they, they could step in and have an impact in a positive mm-hmm. way. And yeah. the reality is that there are just thousands and thousands of, of young people who are beyond anything like that. You know, we impose our set of values on the situation and think that this could never happen because somebody would intervene, whether it's a responsible parent or family member or a coach or a teacher or somebody. Or a pastor. Or a pastor or anything, right? But, but that's, the, that's the world structure that we grew up in. Yeah. Like, as I said, you know, whether I was a PS32 with teachers and teacher's aides and coaches, or then we went over to St. Eugene's with real nuns. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they wore the outfit and the Monsignor, and then we went to baseball practice. I mean, there was always an adult. There were always other adults. And I think when we grew up, you know, if, if I saw another kid causing some serious harm to either himself or others, I, I'm not going to speak for all the parents out there, but in my generation, parents did something about that, yeah. at least brought it to somebody's yeah. attention. Now you're worried about you know, you point that out to some Karen and she gets up in your face and makes a TikTok video out of it. Yeah. And, you know, you're like, you say, that's enough. I, I tried. I don't know about y'all, but like when, when my son was coming, I mean, he's going to be a senior in high school next year, but, um, like I was always like, find the kid that nobody's sitting with and sit with that yeah, kid. Yeah. Like you got plenty of friends, right? Find the kid that nobody's sitting with and sit with that. And kid. just go to the story at hand. Apparently the story is this young man had one friend one friend matthew or something and he wanted to make sure he was on good terms with his one friend mm-hmm. before he did this and yeah. and that's kind of really strange i mean yeah like I say even tug you got a few friends yeah you know, man occasionally everyone somebody to tie a pork chop around that's your right. neck for the dog to kiss <laughs> you but the dog right. did kiss you he did once in a while <laughs> i remember um 
Some of our listeners may not know this about me. If we can just make this about me about for a moment. As an 18-year-old um, from New York, uh, my family moved to Florida, and I um, had delusions that I could somehow or another one day become a professional football player. So I was invited as a walk-on to University of Florida, and um, I was down there for the first week when it was just the freshmen and the walk-ons uh, practicing and sort of learning the system, and then the scholarship players and everybody showed up a week later um and the superstar on the team at that time was a guy named chris collinsworth who we know now is a broadcaster. somewhat obnoxious abna- announcer <laughs> i i love him i think a, he's a great fantastic but, but wide he's, receiver he's polarizing yeah. he was he was incredible in mm-hmm. college uh, you know all american the fastest guy in the state he was, Smooth. he was incredibly so he was everything he was thinner in before there was thinner <laughs> that's right over and, in 680 and, and um so, so I'm clearly an outlier in this program as a New York kid among all these Floridians as a walk-on among scholarship players. But, but Collinsworth was the first one to you know, grab his lunch tray and come sit down next to me and say, you know, what are you doing here? Like, yeah. How did you get down here? Yeah. I can't believe there's a kid from New York yeah, over here. Right. And he was just a goofy country boy you know, from uh, Titusville Astronaut High School in yeah. Central Florida, um, but you know, even the superstar took the time to know the lowliest kid on the team, and but, so it was, it, that's, it's exactly it. So that's right. I wasn't going to go out and, and shoot anybody, but you know, yeah, I, right. Uh, but but I, but I was somebody who but you needed felt welcomed. A I, f- I felt like I belonged after that. Yeah, and and I think I think that's what we need, and 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 where that where that's gone, I I don't I don't well, know. That's the community glue, uh, the Boy Scouts, the Cub Scouts, the Girl Scouts, 4-H. Right, all those things that I know are still out there, but I sure don't think they're as popular. Of course, you know the Boy Scouts have been decimated financially by lawsuits, and uh, you know it, it, there's how many parents want to take that time to do the volunteer work. I have a very dear friend of mine who's a there's a name for the Scout Master, and he's done it for for not only he still does it for other kids. His mm-hmm. kids have gone on to college mm-hmm. and devotes an enormous amount of time to that hiking in the woods and. I'm like, what are you doing, man? It's dangerous <laughs> yeah, out there. Can knowing, we take them to the palm? Let me show them how to order. Knowing how important yeah. those institutions are, right? To me, it's what makes that so much more vile when you hear about right. transgressions. Yeah. you know, uh, people taking advantage of little little boys generally yeah, yeah. in the scouts, in the church, sure. and and then the scouts covering it up, the church covering it up. It, it makes it so much more egregious. It does um, it when does. you hear about it in that co- that context where you hope. You can develop that kind of trust. Sure. You so know, parents have become weary about handing your kids over to, to somebody else for absolutely. a weekend in the woods. But, but I think, irrespective of that organization, if we think about again, all the most of our listeners are probably in our age demographic, and think about all of the community things that we used to do, happily or unhappily, at our at our parents' <laughs> control. You know, how many parents really go to the PTA meetings anymore? Uh, unless mm-hmm. there's a bad grade and you go accuse the teachers of giving your kid yeah, a bad right, grade. Right. I mean, not, not, couldn't have been an effort. And look, I mean, most of our parents worked hard and they had three yeah. kids and, and, but there was, there was always somebody watching you and it was no video camera watching. It was a human being watching yeah. you and the long arm of the lo- semi law could snake out yeah. and slap you upside the head. We got to get back to that. We have to get back to that as a community. I th- and you both bring up great points and, um, and we'll continue to discuss the stuff as it continues to happen. Unfortunately, uh, next on Extra 1063, we'll continue the conversation. A little more of a lighter, uh, relatively lighter subject is uh, Airbnbs and how they're being used in the city of Atlanta and what the city of Atlanta is trying to do about it. Like you rent out your mansion, not that you have a mansion, but if you did, and you rented it out, somebody rented it and decided to throw a 500 person party. 
How are they going to regulate that? How are they going to make sure that that doesn't happen to your property? Next, on your day in court on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car-buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. The city of Atlanta continues to try to figure out how to regulate the unregulated vacation rentals and uh, they've delayed that for the third time in the city of atlanta and it all comes down to when somebody rents a vrbo or somebody rents airbnb and they do nothing more than throw a huge party and probably destroy property and the police get called and and how do you handle that how do you regulate that and if you're the property owner you're probably pretty upset too because your property is the one that's been trashed and destroyed and your neighbors and your neighbors are probably very upset with you. well this this is becoming a real trend in uh, every major metropolitan area miami probably leads the league in this kind of thing especially during spring break Uh, Somebody rents out their mansion for two weeks of spring break, and there's about 350 college students in the pool at Mm -hmm. one time, and they trash the place. And if you get enough money, I guess it's worth it. Uh, And so it's happening now in very suburban areas where folks aren't used to having a 400-person street party at 3 o'clock in the morning next to their house. The infrastructure is not prepared for it. There's not enough fire. There's not enough police. There's not enough EMTs if Mm -hmm. something goes wrong. Uh, there's probably enough laws on the books now to punish the party goers who have either violated a noise ordinance or curfew or drinking in public, intoxicated in public, disorderly conduct. But what this statute, and I will believe we'll see more, is really going at is the deep pockets, whether it's the owner of the property, the person, individuals that rented the property, and Airbnb and like like organizations. Yeah, and one of the things that is challenging here is that typically the owners of the property are are the biggest victims in all of it because mm-hmm. um, they don't know what's happening. They they think they're renting to 
somebody who's just wanting to use the house for normal purposes that somebody might use their property. Uh, I have a good friend, uh, shout out to my buddy Ryan Toth, got married Ryan, recently. What's up? Um, Ryan is a loyal listener. I'm not sure if he's ever listened, actually. But uh, regardless, <laughs> he should start a um, he, he's, he's in the Airbnb business and, and you know, started out small and it's grown to you know, many properties that he manages, some of which he owns, some of which he manages for other people. And he's, he feels like he can sense red flags with, with rentals, but it's only because of the experience that he's had with having his properties just trashed uh, and then having to go back after the renter. And, and a lot of times people have phony um, credentials that sure. they set up and a credit card that's just, there's nothing there, you know, that, that they've used. Um, the, the services like Airbnb offer no protection to, to the owners themselves. And so, you know, he's, he's denied people uh, their request to rent their property because it just looks fishy. Mm-hmm. Well, he has a sense about it because he's a professional. How are you supposed to know if you just have a house and so let's say, you know, COVID and I'm, I'm going to be away for six months, I'll let somebody rent out my house for the day or the night or a week or whatever, you don't really have the sense to know, is this person going to trash your house? So holding the property owner accountable for that can be really challenging. Holding the service accountable is a, it's a deeper pocket, first of all. Um, it may be a viable way because the service has the ability to vet who it is that's providing them with their financial information, their background information. Is this a real person or not? That's right. And as, as Bruce says, the deep pockets, that's what people and corporations modify their behavior when it costs you money you start doing things Indeed. differently to maybe end the bleeding uh did, did, i think this could hey, be done I say something about that yeah there's a great bumper sticker um uh, they said like if this car doesn't blow up upon impact thank a trial lawyer <laughs> right. and it's exactly that it's because right. litigation you know we'd like to think that corporations um the supreme court says they're people for purposes of political contributions under the citizens united case we like to think that corporations do the right thing because it's the right thing He's to do. getting political again the, we need to repeal <laughs> citizens united i think we can all agree but, but you um, do know that the uh, justice uh, supreme court justice roberts said go ahead legislature repeal it we're not that crazy about it either it's just how the law falls um why do you sidetrack these conversations ray well because sometimes um, so, you know so, so, you so take so us down the road that, that corporations are people we'd like to think that they just do the right thing because it's the right thing to do and, and many the reality do. And is many do. but the reality is that many of them only do it at the point of a gun um, which um, is a figurative expression right and that but gun is litigation dollar. it's litigation that that's what and bad PR. Behavior. I mean, there, yes. there's different ways sure. to punish the wealthy, whether it's individuals or corporations, or to make them do. You know, tax policy is really about making people what you want do what you want yeah. them to do, and and or not do what you want them. So not if this to do. car doesn't blow up, thank a trial. That's Lord. right. That's right. So I think that we're going to see some statutes, and I think they're going to be upheld. I think they're rational. Look, the fire marshal can come over there too and say, "This is a residence." There should be no no more than twelve people residing in a three bedroom home. That was probably found legal, you know. And and the other four hundred ninety of you need to go somewhere else real quick and get your cars off the yard. Uh, I think you're going to see HOAs step up and maybe have increased penalties when this kind of thing happens because it impacts the entire neighborhood, which is trashed. People's got cars yeah. on their yards. In, there in are crimes. Where there are homeowners associations, right, certainly. Right. Um, and there are, well, the upscale, look, we, we started this conversation off talking about upscale mansions being rented. Yeah. The, but that's, the, not, that's not the only thing that gets right. Because that's right. People, yeah. That's right. And we're also seeing crimes committed because the parties get out of control. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, circling all the way back to an earlier conversation, Bruce, you're right. There are guns everywhere.
And if you take 400, 500 people in a party situation in a dense area, somebody bumps into somebody, somebody disrespects somebody, somebody's with somebody else's girl or guy, and bad things can happen. Yeah. It, it's, it, things went downhill fast when uh, we, we lost out on the punch in the nose as a means of yeah. dispute resolution. Yeah, that's a, yeah. absolutely right. But, but yeah, now I've seen some of these small um, mountain towns have put restrictions on uh, rentals, uh, vacation rentals, and they have permits that they'll give out to like local companies who may have relatives with the city council or whatever, but regardless, they've really restricted the ability of people in these mountain communities to be able to just go on Airbnb and rent out their houses freely. To some extent, that may or may not be a restriction on your property rights, but you know, you're you're subject to that sort of thing when you um, have that business model, I'm going to rent out this home, I'm not going to live in it. Okay, there's going to be local ordinances, you're going to have to deal with that. And my prior home was a condo tower in Buckhead, and that was an HOA rule that we could not rent out our units on a daily basis. Anything more than 30 days had to have a lease and nothing short term. I mean, I remember the first time I saw people literally like, what am I at the Ritz Carlton? People yeah. are coming in with luggage and kids and dogs in their in their Louis Vuitton bag. I'm like, this is not what what I live here for. Yeah. You know, it's not. Yeah. A, there's a hotel across the street. Absolutely right. And there are so many things that could go wrong, as we've detailed here. But uh, if something goes wrong with you and you run afoul of the law somehow or other. I recommend you reach out to Bruce Hagen or Ray Judice, and I want you to know how to get a hold of him, Bruce. Just shine the Hagen light up into the sky at night, and I will hop into the Hagen copter and immediately come to your aid. Um, but if that doesn't work and you don't have one of those, you can call me, 404-202-2233 is my cell number, thanks to my partner here, Ray. Um, I give out the cell number only to the listeners of this fine show. Um, you can also find me online, hagen-law.com. Email is bruce at hagen-law.com. Call me or email me anytime. 404-964-4185. That is my cell number. Ray at raygaw.com. The G is for Judice, but I'm not forcing you to learn how to spell it. <laughs> Mr. G is fine. Ray is fine. A big boss man will work, yeah. you know, whatever. Whatever just, it takes. Whatever it takes. I answer to most anything. And uh, come visit. Come have a cup of coffee with Bruce and I. We're, we do some things together. Are you going to be at the golf tournament in June? Uh, we are a sponsor, so we're not only going to be too. there, but we'll be. We'll have a table activation, giving out fly swatters and um, squeezy dollar sign things and stress relievers. Uh, stress relievers. Um, yeah, we've got all kinds of swag ready to give out to everybody who participates in that tournament. And I'll be driving around in a golf cart with a, with whatever alcohol is being <laughs> usually the Tito's guy is there <laughs> and the Bombay Sapphire guy. Yeah. It's a long day. That's why I have to stay over. There yeah, but go. not that you would operate a motor vehicle. No, I have a driver. Um, no. If you've ever yeah, seen no. the pictures, go yeah. to my Facebook page. Yeah. I yeah. always That's find responsive. somebody Those, those of our listeners in golf cart communities <laughs> know that you can get a DUI <laughs> and a right. golf cart. No, so. no, where I'm responsible. No doubt about it. If you, need, if you need their help, they are here to help you or guide you in any way you need. So uh, reach out to Bruce Hagen, Ray Judice here on Extra 106.3. This has been your day in court. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. 
You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Support for Extra 1063 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.